0: Surprise, surprise. Today I have chosen to talk about a Korean movie instead of a Korean drama. And when I say surprise, of course it isn't a surprise because you probably read that in the like episode synopsis and you know, podcast episode title. (laughs) Anyway, it's a little bit different for me. Um, so I've mentioned this probably a million times on this podcast before. I have a weird relationship with Korean movies, and I have an absolutely overwhelmingly positive relationship with Korean dramas. So Korean movies are super hit and miss for me. I think they are so different to dramas in so many ways. Um, Just in, I don't know if it's just that because they're more condensed, they're more compact and, and perhaps the stories are just as like shifting in tone. Um, because I know K-dramas shift in tone a lot. Um, but because it's a long-form storytelling, I feel like it's not very jarring. Whilst when I watch Korean movies, sometimes I do find that really whiplash kind of change in tone very um yeah, very jarring. Like even, you know, really, really famous Korean films like Parasite, which I watched and enjoyed. Um, I don't think it was the best film I ever saw, but I certainly enjoyed it and there was elements of it that I thought were wonderful. But even that one, I felt had some weird kind of tonal shifts, I suppose, like, you know, it's very dark and then it's almost slapstick at times. And then, you know, just wild violence out of nowhere. And I, it wasn't like, I still really liked it, but, um, yeah, I, I guess, <laughs> I guess what I'm trying to say is the movie that I've chosen to talk about today is fucking amazing. <laughs> I loved it. I loved it. So much, and I wasn't expecting to because I think of this kind of mad relationship that I have with Korean movies, um, where I always want them to be brilliant, and I, there's only a few, you know, I guess there's a few that I've seen that are brilliant, but a lot that I haven't really connected with me, not in the way that K drama does, anyway. I guess is what I'm trying to say, um. I loved this movie Time to Hunt. So Time to Hunt is a very recent release as I record this. Um, So it came out um, in April 2020. Uh, It got distribution worldwide via Netflix, which is why I was able to see it immediately, which was wonderful. Um, It's really cool. I think just atmospherically and oh, the way it's put together. It's such a just excruciating, slow burn of an atmospheric thriller. It is so tense. Like it is wonderful. And I think my only kind of critis- criticism, I always have so much trouble saying words on this podcast. Um, So my only kind of negative feedback at all is a little bit to do with the ending. And I still like what they did. But if I had written this story, I would have just shifted that ending just a tiny bit um, to make it like perfect for me. But other than that, um, I thought this movie was so well done. It is so immersive um, just straight away. So anyway, I guess I'll give you guys an overview. I'm presuming that a lot of listeners might not have heard it as I record this or as I put this episode out just because it is so new. But at the same time, um, it being on Netflix worldwide certainly gives people a lot more access than they you know, might usually do for um, a lot of Korean movies. So I'm not sure. Maybe you've seen it. Maybe you haven't. Um, it's definitely a very dark very dark thriller. Um, You know, there's violence in it, but more than I think the violence, it is, it's the tension that really like wires you up. So I know that might not necessarily be something that everyone, you know, wants to delve into right now, but I just thought it was really wonderfully made. Um, So this movie stars, like the main character is played by the actor Lee Jae-hoon. So Lee Jae-hoon Trying to think if I've actually ever seen him in anything before this. Um, He's very famous because, you know, he starred in Signal. He's also in um, quite a few high profile movies, Korean movies, Um, and yeah, quite a few dramas as well. But now that I'm actually thinking about it, I'm very, very familiar with him just from seeing casting news and just sort of seeing him all over, I guess, the entertainment you know, Korean entertainment websites that I follow. Um, but yeah, I think maybe I haven't actually seen him in anything. Um, so Lee Jae-hoon I think was very good in this. Um, and it's a bit of an ensemble cast, even though technically the movie revolves around him and his choices. Um uh so he he has two friends um two other kind of main characters in the in the movie um one played by the actor Andre Hong so Anj Hong is in loads of stuff um I don't know that I fully love him um but only because I watched him playing a bit of an asshole kind of a he didn't cheat, but he nearly cheated. And <laughs> I don't like cheating <laughs> character in, um, the Korean drama fight my way, which also starred, um, Park Seo Joon. Um, I really love that Korean drama fight my way. It is so much fun. Um, it's just a, you know, a rom-com and it's wonderful. Um, but An Hong plays a bit of an asshole in it, but you know, that's okay. He was good at that. And he's very different in this drama. He's very warm and sweet and quite likable. And then um, the third part of this little friend group is played by the actor um, Che Wu-Shik. I love Che Wu-Shik. I think he is a fantastic actor and just, I find the stuff that he picks really interesting. He, of course, has just come off the back. This is the next film to come out for him after his starring role in Parasite, which, you know, won an Oscar. So it's a pretty high profile thing. And I think I feel really, really excited that obviously out of all those actors in Parasite, all the movies that those actors next bring out are going to get a much wider audience, um, you know, international audience, I suppose, um, than they might have before the whole Parasite thing blew up. Um, And I'm just so excited um, that you know, probably a lot of international uh, viewers are going to watch this movie Time to Hunt when they might not normally have. And they're going to do that because they know who Choi Woo Sheik is. And I'm so excited that this movie's so good and that he's so good in it. And it just seems like such a wonderful, positive kind of thing for Korean cinema in general. Um, So yeah, that's really cool. I like it. Um, Choi Woo Sheik I've seen. So he's mainly in movies. He's got quite a few I guess you could say high profile, small roles in some very big films. But of course, one of his biggest now would be his major role in Parasite. He's also in, um, I'm trying to remember the name of it, but this absolutely bonkers film. It was English language, but it was by a Korean director and had like Tilda Swinton in it. I keep wanting to say Nokju, but that's not it. Bokju? <laughs> Bokja? I think it's Bokja maybe. I forgot the name of it. Anyways, he was really weird, quirky, and very depressing film. I really upset me, but it was a very good, weird film. Um, I actually did like that one a lot. Um, I don't know why I never talked about that on the podcast. Um, but Choi Wishik has a very funny sort of cameo in it where he plays this truck driver who's um, just swearing in English at the camera, and it's all very amusing. And I just, I really, really like him. Um, he also starred in one Korean drama that I've ever seen him in uh, called Hogu's Love, where he had a lead role. Um, I don't know if I completely loved that Korean drama, although I kind of feel like I might give it another go because he was very charming in it. It's a very kind of slow burn romance where he falls in love with this woman who turns out to be pregnant. And it's, I just didn't like some of the commentary about being a single mother in it, I think kind of turned me off. But I also feel like I'd like to give it another go because I do think it might've been worth my time and I might not have been in the right mood, but I did get a bit turned off by some of the more conservative views, I think in the drama. Um, but Choi Wishik has also had side roles in other dramas and I don't know why he would ever take on like a, like not even barely a second male lead role in a K drama. Like he just seems like too big of an actor for that kind of stuff. But anyway, um, so yeah, I love him. I really, really I love him. I think he's great. Um, So the movie itself is definitely, I would call a thriller. Um, It's very understated. It's very atmospheric. Um, So I guess I'll I'll just say what the very general setup is. And then I want to talk about all my favorite things about it. And then I will have like a little spoiler section at the end, um, just about the end of the film, maybe if I choose to talk about that. Um, but the general setup is this is Korea in the near future. And I love the kind of it's futuristic, but not. So it's futuristic as in um, we're kind of looking at a version of Korea where the economy has completely collapsed. There's all these just like dilapidated buildings and cities and like basically the whole of, you know, the cities and the place where these characters are living have just turned into absolute slums and no young people can get jobs. No one is able to find work and, um, everyone's just living in this really collapsed society. But obviously, you know, the clothes are familiar, the cars are a tiny bit different, but mainly everything is very, very familiar. And I really love futuristic films that are kind of this reimagining of the future, but also in a really believable way. Like, I guess in terms of this film, in a frighteningly believable way, Um, particularly I guess if I want to get really gritty and scary um, in light of, you know, the crisis that the world is going through at the beginning of 2020, which is going to affect economies across the whole world and is going to, you know, impact things in a not very good way. Um, You know, so that's why I think watching something like this is so recognizably familiar, even though it hasn't quite happened. You know, it's certainly not what Korea looks like right now, but there is other countries around the world that I think kind of do. Um, so uh, the film opens with these two young guys. So Jung Ho played by actor An Jae Hong and Ki Hoon played by Choi Woo Sheik. And they're just kind of like, Yabbering on at each other while they're trying to, you know, buy a drink in a shop. And then you kind of figure out that they're these best friends. Um, they live together in this little shitty apartment in this just completely just dilapidated, disintegrating world. They obviously can't get work. They both have like petty criminal records. Um, and you know, they they go to a prison to pick up their friend, their best friend, who's been locked away for the last three years, and it turns out that their friend kind of spearheaded a bit of a heist. It went wrong and he's been locked away for three years, but he kind of went down for the other two. Um, and of course, that friend is played by Lee Jae-hoon and his character's name is Jun Sok. Um, I might just go with the actor's names because I think that's easier to remember. Um, but Lee Jae Hoon's character, he, you know, he has this dream and kind of an avenue out of the country. That he's met someone in jail who lives in Taiwan, and Taiwan is still like an island paradise. It's beautiful, and his friend who lives over there, who's obviously a bit of a gangster, has his fingers in a lot of pies, and has offered Lee Jae Hoon a, um, you know, a nice house and a business over there, and all he needs to do is like bring over something like I can't remember how much it was, like two hundred thousand dollars or something like that, and then this guy will come. Pick him up in a boat and get him the fuck out of the country. Um. So Lee Jae Hoon is fixated on this idea, and they had a bit of money stashed away from this heist earlier. And when they come out, oh, uh, so when he gets out of prison, his friends are kind of telling him, you know, well, the economy's completely collapsed. Like you can't even use Korean won in the country anymore. They have no value. So like, unless it's converted to American dollars, you can't even do anything with it. Um. So it's such a a scary kind of thing. Um. And of course, there's another heist and Lee Jae-hoon kind of decides that he wants to rob this sort of underground gambling club place and um, get him and his friends who he's very close with out of the country. And that's basically the setup. Um, And then, you know, the heist happens and it's so tense. It's so wonderful. And it kind of very unexpectedly, the heist goes well. very strangely, I thought it was all going to go to shit. I thought the whole movie was going to be a weird hostage situation. And it's not at all. The boys get away and everything seems really like positive. And then the movie turns into a hunt movie and they have someone after them for the rest of the film. And it is so tense. It is so frightening. And oh, I I just like in terms of a thriller and a chase thriller and just like such a oh, edge of your seat kind of story. I just thought it was so well done. So um, I thought I was going to kind of go through the whole story, but I think I won't. I think this is like, it's such a slow burn atmospheric kind of film. I think it's more just like for people who are interested, it's worth your time to watch. And I wouldn't kind of want to tell you everything about it. Um, although I feel like I've already told you a lot, um, but there's, it, it's so good. Um, all right. So I'm going to move on to now the stuff that I loved. So, I'm just going to go through um, kind of in dot point, I guess, the things that I really loved about this film. So, I'm going to start off with the atmosphere, um, that slow burn tension. And I think a lot of that is created via the imagery, the way that the, you know, the way the places that this is shot in, I suppose, it's this really just awful disintegrating landscape of these huge blocks of empty flats and this industrial like emptiness and desolation in a cityscape. It is, it's one of those things that's very beautiful in its ugliness. Like, I don't know how to explain it, but I don't know about other people, but sometimes I can look at photos of like a huge empty, you know, block of flats and there's something about it that desolation and the creepiness of this empty place that used to be filled with people and is now you know covered in graffiti and crumbling away and it's just this element of I guess looking at humanity I suppose and these things that we leave behind when we we don't need them or if something bad has happened in a place and the people are all gone but these structures crumbling structures still remain and I thought the imagery and this kind of urban landscape that the film is shot in is just such a good way, I suppose, to demonstrate to the viewer what kind of world these these young dudes live in that they're, you know, struggling and hustling to try and survive. So I think the imagery and the setting really adds to the atmosphere. I really loved the music in this film. It's very, very cool. And I think it also just fits in really, really well. Sometimes I watch movies and I find the music a bit jarring if I think like why did they pick that song or that theme to play right now? I feel like, you know, it, it doesn't quite fit with the emotion that I thought this scene should have been invoking in me. Whilst I felt like the music in this um was seamless, like it really fit in well, like there's a bit of kind of hip hop and stuff like that because it's this, you know, very rundown urban kind of place. And there's all these young people who are very, you know, just surviving. And I don't know, I, I really liked that integration of the music in this film. And the other thing I love um, is the light. So it kind of starts off a bit gray with the kind of, um, you know, the cityscape stuff. And then as the film gets more and more tense and frightening, there's constantly this like wash of neon light. So like everything kind of under this red glow or blue glow or green. And it's, oh, I don't know. It really, I mean, I don't know much about you know, technical filmmaking stuff. But as far as I can see, all these ingredients to me just made up this unbelievable atmosphere for this film kind of tension you could cut with a knife if you want to say it like that, which, you know, people do say it like that. I'm not really sure why it's a weird thing to say. Um, So the other thing I really liked was how, in terms of the writing, how they introduced us as the viewers to the state of the world. Um, So in writing, there's a big thing about, you know, you want to show things within your writing instead of tell them. So I guess I could say that if this film was telling us what the world is like, before the film even starts, there might have been a title card that said, career 2022, the economy has collapsed, blah, blah, blah. And then, you know, that is telling the viewer exactly what the world is. But this film shows it. So it opens up on these two young guys, scrounging around for money in a convenience store to buy like one soda. And they're both like, you know, kind of ribbing each other and just like being, you know, kind of teasing and stuff. Um, but neither of them have any money. And then they go and they pick up their friend from jail and their friend is like, so what happened to that $3,000 that we had? And they have to kind of explain to him. And he's obviously, you know, the viewers, like, um, the watchers view into the world. Um, They have to explain to him that, well, you know, the one doesn't have any value anymore. Like, and we didn't exchange it to US dollars. And I like, we're sorry, but it's gone. You've got no money left. And then on top of that, we get shown the world through seeing these young guys, you know, when he gets out of jail, um, Lee Jae-hoon's character, the, the other two boys sort of, you know, they go out partying and they go to these like real slummy underground kind of clubs and everyone's just obviously you know, living in absolute poverty, all these young people can't get jobs. They're all covered in like tats and look real cool. But also they're obviously all, you know, a lot of people are turning to petty crime and stuff like that. So it's like you immediately get this sense of the world without having to be told anything outright. It's like um, it's my favorite kind of world building and storytelling is like the writers um, leave you, tiny crumbs of clues throughout the narrative. And you as a watcher or a viewer or a reader, whatever, get to pick up on those clues and you thread them together to create the landscape of that world. Like it's the best kind of world building. So I, I thought that was done really, really well. Now, the thing I love was the natural characters. So these three boys are, you know, the banter between them is just nonstop. And it's this very natural kind of conversation that they have. Like, it doesn't feel like the kind of dialogue you, you kind of can even imagine could be written in a script because it's so overlapping and it's just like very, just very naturalistic. So I really, really liked that. Um, they also all swear their heads off, like nonstop, (laughs) which I quite like. I don't mind that at all. Um, And it fits in, you know, with who they are and the world that they live in. So I liked that a lot. Um, So the next on my list was Atmosphere, but I've already talked about that. The Tension, wow, slow burn chase thriller to the max. Um, The next thing on my list was um, Choi Woo Sheik. I love him. And I think he's, I mean, I think all three of the main actors were fantastic in this. One of the things I really like too is there's no, I guess I want to say macho-ness, like no over the top being manly kind of stuff in terms of when these boys decide to, you know, do a heist and decide to like literally have an armed robbery of this place, they're all shitting themselves. Like they're sweaty, they're terrified, they're about to vomit and there's no pretending that they're so super cool that they don't feel fear. Fear is a huge presence all the way through this film. And as the boys end up, um, kind of getting chased by this, um, you know, professional killer, which is very scary. Um, the way that they react is so natural. It is the way that normal people would react in that situation, you know, terrified, unable to pull yourself together, unable to know what to do and making silly decisions, um, it's really, I really, really loved that element that it doesn't try and, and paint them, these young guys as being, you know, much cooler than they are. And it really just brings you very close to the characters because I think it's very relatable. They're just people who live in a shitty situation trying to make the best of their lives and it's all going wrong and they don't know what to do about it just as much as I wouldn't fucking know what to do with it. So I really liked that. Um, there's a scene with Choi Woo Chic. I just like him the whole way through. I guess I'm kind of partial to Choi Woo Chic. <laughs> but there's a really nice scene, which I think... Actually, I won't spoil it. But it it kind of leads into one of the elements that I absolutely... Loved about the film, which is the friendship between the three main guys. So, I've watched so many films about like a friendship group who are, you know, go off to do something together and external pressure gets put on them. And the first thing that a storyteller or a writer will always do when you have this kind of little ensemble cast and they're under pressure in like, you know, a high pressure environment, whatever, they always show cracks in the friendship group. They always have the friends turn on each other. So when you're under huge amounts of stress, you begin to snap at each other. You know each other's weak spots because you're so close. So you begin to dig and pick at each other. And, you know, usually that kind of, I guess, conflict in a film like this becomes a huge part of the drama of the film. Um, And what I loved the most about this is throughout it, these three boys are so, you know, they, they state it early on that they're family and they're so considerate of each other. And even when one of them, you know, which quite often throughout the film happens, like, totally fucks up. The others don't turn on him. Like they don't start picking at it. They don't say, well, you know, I told you not to do that. Look, what's happened it's all your fault. They completely don't do that. They constantly put out their necks for each other. So their friendship is very, very sweet and very moving. And I just found it, I guess, really, really refreshing because I really, really expected, I suppose, their friendship narrative to go that very well-worn traditional way that I've seen a million times before, and I kept waiting for it. And the fact that it didn't happen was a twist in itself. And I think sometimes in storytelling, it's a really interesting thing to do as a writer is to understand story beats and traditional story structures enough that you know what your audience will expect and then you do a different thing. Um, I just think that's so unbelievably clever to be that self aware of stories that you can convert expectations, you know, and and twist something on its head without really twisting anything in the story. So it's just a wonderful, very subtle added extra layer for me because it really subverted my, um, you know, my expectations of what their friendship was going to be. And also because they weren't bickering at each other and they all had each other's backs, it's so much more heartbreaking as, you know, they try to protect each other and, you know, all the terrible things that happens throughout the film. Um, It makes you really like them. Yes, they're petty criminals, but they're also really clueless young guys who are trying their best in the world and they love each other. They are family and they really want to help each other get through this. And that's very moving, you know, and it's done in a way that it isn't schmaltzy. It isn't like, you know, over the top. It's just very naturalistic. Um, So yeah, I really loved it. So I was going to talk about the ending because I had some thoughts about some things I would have tweaked at the end, just a couple of little things, um, that I would have changed, but it's not really anything major. There's almost like an epilogue. And that is more the stuff that I would have like, I just would have made it a tiny bit different. Um, but the rest of the film I thought was perfect. And I'm actually not going to go into the ending because, um, I don't want to spoil anything, which is really unusual for me, isn't it? Cause I always spoil everything, <laughs> but I think, I think you should watch this one, you know, it's only two hours. So if you like, if you like hardcore thrillers and slow burn, um, you should give it a go. So that's it from me. I think on the absolutely excellent Korean thriller movie, Time to Hunt. Now it is time for my something that I'm loving this week. Uh, portion of the podcast and a weird thing that I realized is I think it was like about two weeks ago, and I totally forgot to mark it as a cool thing that happened. <laughs> um, I think I've been doing this podcast for a year, uh, literally a year every week nonstop. So that's pretty fucking cool. Um, I was very excited to realize that, um, I'm not really sure how that works out with the weeks cause I haven't even got to 50 episodes yet, but in terms of the dates I have actually, you know, it's been a whole year since I put up my first podcast. So I don't know, that's weird. Um, and kind of crazy. I can't believe I've been doing this for a whole year. I know that's super small scale compared to a lot of the other K-drama podcasts out there that have been going on for like like 90 episodes. It's amazing. Um, I'm very impressed by all those other podcasters um, who've been going for so long. So as I've mentioned before, um, I'm going to take a, a little break after episode 50 and then season two will be back after. Um, I think what I'm going to do is season two will come back after one month. I'm going to give myself one month off. And I, ooh, I really, really, really hope that people remember to come back and rejoin me after a month um, because I will have watched so many more dramas by then that I will be able to talk with you guys about. Um, so I really hope that while I have a month to lie around and rest and watch dramas, and, you know, refill up my, um, my drama watching. Well, I hope that people don't forget me over that time. (laughs) And I hope you come back to listen again in the future. Um, so yeah, I think that's kind of a big milestone for me, like a whole year of podcasting. Yay. I feel kind of proud of myself. Um, so anyway, that's it from me on my something I'm loving this week, but it was a pretty cool thing to realize that. So that's definitely something that I'm loving.